For the ones who work hard to ensure their crew can always go the extra mile. And the ones who get in early so everyone can go home on time. There's Granger, Offering professional-grade supplies backed by product experts so you can quickly and easily find what you need. Plus, you can count on access to a committed team ready to go the extra mile for you. Call, click Grainger.com, or just stop by. Granger For the ones who get it done. Russian President Vladimir Putin called the U.S. dollar's drop in dominance, quote, objective and irreversible during the recent BRICS summit in South Africa, as Brazil, Russia, India, China, and South Africa formally agreed to use local currencies instead of the U.S. dollar. It's the first shoe to drop. As demand for the dollar weakens, the buying power of the dollar also weakens. That's why Birch Gold Group is busier than ever. Investors and savers are looking to harness the power of physical gold held in a tax-sheltered IRA. Text MONICA to 989-898 for your free info kit on gold. Thousands of happy customers, an A-plus rating with the Better Business Bureau, and countless five-star reviews you can count on Birch Gold to help you navigate transitioning an existing IRA or 401k into an IRA in gold. As the U.S. dollar continues to receive pressure from foreign countries, digital currency, and central banks, arm yourself with information on how to protect your savings. Just text MONICA to 989-898 to claim your free info kit from Birch Gold Group right now. We all have tasks we'd like to avoid, like mailing and shipping. It takes time lugging all those letters and packages to the post office. That's why you should try Stamps.com. For 25 years, Stamps.com has made mailing and shipping easy. You get all the services of the post office right on your computer, anytime. No traffic, no waiting, no hassle. Plus, you save money with discounts up to 84% on USPS and UPS. With Stamps.com, all you need is a computer and printer. Print stamps, print shipping labels, and if you sell products online, Stamps.com connects with every major marketplace and shopping cart, so you can spend less time on shipping and more time on your business. Get started with Stamps.com today. Sign up with promo code PROGRAM for a special offer that includes a four-week trial, plus postage and a digital scale. Just go to stamps.com and enter code PROGRAM. Hey guys, I'm Monica Crowley and this is the Monica Crowley Podcast. Thanks so much for joining me here on this Wednesday, hump day. This is your go-to for hot liberty, a safe space for all of us thought criminals, independent thinkers, and happy warriors. Please follow me on social media if you're not already. On Instagram, I am at Monica Crowley underscore. And on Twitter and through social, I am at Monica Crowley. Also by email, I am at Monica Crowley podcast at gmail.com. Again, that's Monica Crowley podcast at gmail.com. I read them all. I see them all. We are actually going to hit one of your emails later today uh, on the show. I know we haven't done it in quite a while because we've had so much coming at us and really important interviews. But later in the show, we are going to go back to your emails. So please keep them coming. Monica Crowley podcast at gmail.com. All right. uh, This week, a special surprise. Actor and Hercules legend Kevin Sorbo will be here to talk about his new movie opening on Friday called Left Behind. We often talk about the culture on this show, right? And how corrosive and rotten it is and how it's controlled by the left and how, as Andrew Breitbart said, politics is downstream from culture. So if we want to help change the culture, this is how we do it. By supporting our fellow conservatives out there, putting out family and faith-friendly content 
like Kevin Sorbo. He is a good friend. I am so excited to have him here on Friday. This is going to be a must-listen interview, so you're not going to want to miss that. Next week, we are going to do that promise deep dive into the 2020 election and take apart all of the evidence of fraud and rigging that we have so far, also with a very special guest. Really good stuff here coming up on the Monica Crowley podcast. I'm really glad you're here. Please tell all your family and all your friends to join us here because this is where it's at. Okay, today, uh, what's up with the economy? We are going to get answers from one of the smartest economists out there, Arthur Laffer of the Laffer Curve. Do you have an economic theory named after you? I don't, but he does. Because he's brilliant. He's going to be here in a couple of minutes with a full rundown of the U.S. and global economy and how worried we should be and what we should do to prepare for a potential recession. Art Laffer, straight ahead. But first, the Monica Memo. Before we get into the heavy stuff, and there's always heavy stuff, um, some good news. We just got the Academy Award nominations. Oh, Monica, I don't care about Woke Hollywood. Woke Hollywood sucks. Well, yeah. Yeah, they do. But here's why you should care about one particular nomination. Top Gun Maverick was nominated for Best Picture. That's why you should care. In this category, you know, there's a lot of nonsense and a lot of woke nonsense and and the rest of it. But to see Top Gun Maverick nominated for Best Picture is huge, huge, because it's a popcorn movie. And we know that the Academy generally disregards action movies and popcorn movies and fun movies like that. They disregard it for the woke stuff and the arty stuff and so on. But not this time. Top Gun Maverick was nominated for Best Picture, and actually it scored six Oscar nominations, including Best Picture and Adapted Screenplay. And Tom Cruise, he did not get nominated for Best Actor, but he is nominated in the Best Picture category because he was one of the movie's producers. This is pretty incredible, guys. And I I hope that you've seen it. I know we did a whole riff on this when I saw it in the spring when it came out last year um, because I thought it it was meaningful on a lot of different levels. This movie, first of all, like I said, it's great fun. If you haven't seen it and you just want to be entertained and not lectured to, you got to see Top Gun Maverick. I think it's on the streaming services now. I went to see it in the theater and I, I loved every second of it. And if you haven't seen the first one, you got to see that one too. But it was just straight up entertainment. The shirtless Top Gun guys playing volleyball. (laughs) Yeah, there was one of those scenes. You got a little romance in there. You got the action with the planes just zipping across the sky and flying around the world and the Top Gun pilots. And of course, Tom Cruise. Tom Cruise, 60 years old, looking incredible. Like, not a moment has passed since the first movie in, what was it, 1986? But here's why I thought the film was so important. Yes, it was non-woke, and that was very important. Yes, it was just straight-up entertainment, which is what we want. Also important. But the reason I smiled at this nomination, and the reason that I smiled throughout the entire movie, and guys, you know, I am, I am friendly with a Hollywood actor who is an absolute legend. Multiple Academy Awards, just absolutely iconic. And I'm blessed to have that friendship with him. And I was talking to him a couple of months ago, and I mentioned this movie because we were talking about, he's older, and we were talking about who is really the last great movie star. And I mentioned Tom Cruise, and we started talking about this movie. And, you know, he's a liberal, he's a Democrat his whole life, like most of them are. And he agreed with my assessment on this. And I told him, you know, this movie has done $1.5 billion in business worldwide. And it got unanimous praise from critics. The audiences loved it. The critics loved it. It was cha-ching, cashing in around the world and brought audiences back to the theaters in really big numbers post-pandemic. This movie like single-handedly rescued Hollywood and, and rescued the entertainment industry. 
and hopefully sent a signal to the powers that be over there that this is what we want to see. And I was telling my friend this, and he agreed. He agreed. And I said, look, and, and I think I tweeted this as well at the time, the reason that this movie is so important on top of all of these other reasons is because it offers two things at the same time. It offers nostalgia because it echoes back to the original 1986 film, Top Gun, with Tom Cruise and Val Kilmer, people making cameos, and the music, Kenny Loggins. It just echoes right back, and it just catapults you back to the 1980s, which was a different period of time in America. It was morning in America. President Reagan was in office. The economy was booming, having come back from a dramatic recession. We had a real president, real real leadership. The culture was so much fun. You had movies like this, but also music. Duran Duran, Madonna, Bruce Springsteen. And, I, you know, yeah, the politics are crazy. But the culture itself was fun and optimistic. The nation was in a sunny place. And yes, of course, we had our issues, as every country always does. But we had an optimistic sense of where the country was going. And all of that has been stripped away. Never forget what they've taken from us. Do not forget. Very, very serious. And most of all, they've taken away, constantly chipping away at our freedoms and free market capitalism and so on. But maybe the most profound thing that they have taken from us is that natural American sense of optimism. Think about that. So many people are depressed. People are pessimistic about the country, pessimistic about the future. That's what they've robbed from us. That's what the original Top Gun movie really captured so well. American superpower status, of course, with the Top Gun pilots in these sophisticated planes, But that sunny sense of optimism in Reagan's America, that movie really captured it. And Top Gun Maverick is important because it does offer that sense of nostalgia, hearkening back to an America that, you know, was what, 35 years ago, 40 years ago? So that sense of nostalgia that really pulls on your heartstrings and delivers an emotional response, right? So it delivered nostalgia, but on the flip side of that, it also delivered hope. Hope that we can maybe not restore America to the 1980s because time marches on and nothing is ever the same, but that there is hope that we can make America great again. See what I did there? (laughs) And it's not just the Trump slogan. It's a very meaningful and powerful sentiment among so many Americans, the desire to make America great again. This is why it worked for Trump in 2016. You know, keeping America great in 2020. And now Trump is back to make America great again out of necessity because of this hellscape that we're in right now. But Top Gun Maverick, this non-woke movie that had massive success This film is so important. I mean, I hate to put it all on Tom Cruise's shoulders, but this film carried a lot of people into a new perspective, one of nostalgia, but also one of hope for the future. That is is so important, that sense of optimism. I beamed through the entire movie. I told my movie star friend, same thing. I said, I just sat there and I smiled. You want the path to success for your next film? Or, you know, the the industry coming to you for advice. I told them straight up, that kind of movie. Entertain me. Do not lecture me. Make it fun. High budget. Recognizable stars. Nostalgia and hope. Maybe I should go to Hollywood and advise these clowns. Not that they'd listen to me. But if they did, they'd have bigger successes like this. It's so important, guys. And so I I really wanted to start today with some good news, news that made me smile and gave me hope. And I hope it does to you too. All is not lost. I know we talk about heavy stuff here on the show out of necessity because these are dark times, but there are glimmers of life and hope in terms of the future of this country. You know why? Because the future of this country is us. 
It's not Joe Biden and his loser vice president. It's not the clowns on Capitol Hill. It's not the woke Hollywood crowd. It's not the deep state or the propaganda press. They are the loudest ones in the room and very powerful. And I include big tech in this as well, big pharma. They are very powerful. But the ultimate power rests with us. We vote with our feet. We go see movies like Top Gun Maverick and send a huge signal of success. This is why we're going to have Kevin Sorbo later in the week. He's got a new film out. We've got to signal success and support these kinds of things to show them where the real power lies, lies with us. Yes, they control the levers of serious power in this country and have big resources, and they do have the power to crush you. But you know what? There are more of us than them, and they know it. And that's exactly why every time we come together in an organic movement like the Tea Party, like America First, they go out of their minds because they know when we look around in these crowds at rallies and so on, protests that we do, they're few and far between. They don't come around that often because our side is busy working, raising our families, obeying the law, doing what we're supposed to. So we don't have time to go out there and burn down cities like the left does. But when we do come together, it is hugely impactful. And they know it. The other side knows it. And that's why they're constantly trying to disperse us, separate us by smearing and attacking our movements. Because they know if we continue to have these movements like America First, Make America Great Again movement, um, or the Tea Party before that, if it is allowed to continue, guess what? They know that they're in deep, deep trouble. Once we feel ourselves, feel in our own power, power numbers, they know they're screwed. And that's where they're constantly intent on blowing us up. So, Top Gun Maverick, some good news for you. Nostalgia and hope, guys. That's what this program is all about because we are happy warriors. All right, we're going to hit a quick break. When we come back... Is there any place in America that doesn't have our nation's secrets? We're going to answer that question on the other side. Sit tight. Okay, everybody, listen up. We all want to be healthier, right? Well, to get there, we have to have a healthier diet, which is not always easy to do. I can attest to that. You know, that shredded lettuce in a double-double And the fruit filling in a donut are amazing, but they do not count toward the recommended five servings of fruits and vegetables a day. Sorry to be the one to break it to you, but they don't. I don't always eat healthy either, but I will share that the Mayo Clinic says if you want to help prevent heart disease, lower blood pressure, and cholesterol, eat five servings of fruits and vegetables every day. I don't and you probably won't. That's why I take Field of Greens. Unlike other supplements, each fruit and each vegetable in Field of Greens was medically selected by doctors to support your vital organs, like the heart, lungs, kidneys, and the immune system. Flu season is here, and I trust Field of Greens to help me stay healthy. Field of Greens works fast and tastes so good. It's really delicious, guys. And you'll feel better with more energy, and you'll notice your skin, hair, and nails will look healthier, too. I certainly noticed that in me since I started taking Field of Greens. If you don't always eat right and exercise, join me and take Field of Greens. Let me get you started with 15% off your first order. Visit fieldofgreens.com and use promo code MONICA. That's promo code MONICA at fieldofgreens.com, fieldofgreens.com. Well, apparently our nation's secrets are like stashed in toilet tanks and boxers drawers. Apparently they're everywhere. Now Mike Pence, former vice president, has said, yeah, I got some classified documents too, and he self-reported Of course, he went, gosh, golly, DOJ, I've got some classified documents. Don't worry, they're in a box all taped up. Uh, They're not hanging out there in a random cardboard box. 
uh, wide open, helter-skelter in my garage sitting next to my Corvette. No, they are actually taped up as they were when they were first moved. So nobody clearly has had access to them and they have been um, in a relatively secure location, but here they are. Guys, it is now increasingly clear that they framed Donald Trump for what Joe Biden did. Set aside Mike Pence for a second. And by the way, it really does look like Mike Pence riding to Biden's rescue. We had Joe Biden in our sights with this whole thing. And as long as it was at and as long as it was Biden versus Trump, it was a pretty clear delineation because Trump actually did have full authorization to declassify anything because he had been president. Joe Biden at the time had no declassification authority. So it was a pretty clear, and you know, there are a million other aspects to this, which is in Trump's case, they were under lock and key. The DOJ and the National Archives knew about all of these documents. It was clear to them what Trump had. They were talking. Uh, They told Trump, hey, throw a lock on it, secure it. They knew that there was Secret Service uh, presence at Mar-a-Lago, so no foreign individuals, enemies of the state were coming in, looking at any of these documents or walking off with them. So they knew that in Trump's case, it was secure. He had unilateral declassification authority, and uh, it really was no big deal. So why did they raid him last August? Well, it looks clearer than ever that they raided Donald Trump for the crimes Joe Biden had committed. They knew that Joe Biden had this stuff. They probably knew that they wanted to leverage it to get rid of Joe Biden when the time was right. So they back-timed all of this. Look, none of this is by coincidence, right? If the deep state did not want you to know about Joe Biden's uh, classified documents, you would not know this. You know it for a reason, and the reason is because they want him gone. We've said this on the show for months now. The deep state, the left's power brokers, the key Democrats, they want the demented weirdo out, They need a stronger candidate to run in 2024 because they've made so much progress in advancing their great reset in this country that they cannot afford to, quote unquote, lose another four years like they lost under President Trump. So he is out on a banana peel, only he doesn't know it yet. So they backtimed this whole thing and raided Donald Trump because they knew Trump had the classified documents they were talking They were negotiating what's going to go back, et cetera. They told uh, Trump, hey, put a lock on it. None of this was a surprise. So they knew Trump had some stuff. And they back thought, how are we going to handle Joe Biden? Ah, we will raid Donald J. Trump. We will do an early morning raid with 30 armed FBI agents that will set the stage for this and will allow Donald Trump to take the brunt of this whole issue. You know, whenever you hear an issue for the first time, it's shocking, right? It's, or a scandal of some nature, right? It's, it's shocking to you. Like with the Russia hoax, it's like, wait a minute, what? Were were people actually colluding with Russia? Like what? Wait, what? What? It's shocking. And you want every little detail because you haven't heard it before. It's new to your brain. Well, this is why they attacked Donald Trump first, Because the whole idea of classified documents and absconding with them is the narrative that they wanted to impress first and foremost on you with Donald Trump. Donald Trump is a criminal. Donald Trump is going to be prosecuted. Donald Trump has a special counsel. Donald Trump is the evil villain walking off with the nation's secrets. Remember when they lied and said he's got the nuclear codes? Who did he sell them to? Did he sell them to the Russians? I mean, it's just unbelievable. They went after Donald Trump to set the table because they knew that they were going after Joe Biden. Donald Trump has taken more incoming than any American leader ever in the history of the republic. And the fact that the man is still standing is unbelievable. So they framed up Donald Trump for Joe Biden's crimes again. Remember, this, this is all of a piece, the Russia hoax, two fake impeachments, the allegations of corruption with regard to Ukraine, uh, January 6th. This is all Joe Biden and the Democrats. It's all their crimes. We're going to get to another piece of this in a second here. 
But this is where we are now. And now Pence entering the fray. It's just unbelievable. Mike Pence riding to Biden's rescue, muddying the waters here so that everybody's like, well, I guess they all do it. It's not so bad now. Well, let, let me just tell you a couple of things here. When I entered the Treasury Department, literally day one, I was mandated to take a course on the handling of classified materials because I had a top secret security clearance and I was going to be around secure classified materials and I was going to have to enter skiffs with the secretary and other people. All right. So I did this whole course and it's a very intense course on handling classified material properly. Can't take it home. Can't walk out of the building with it. Uh, Top secret stuff. You've got to go into a skiff. Can't bring your phone in. I mean, there are all kinds of precautions, rightfully so. Everybody entering the federal government at that level who is going to have access to classified material has to go through this program. And you have to pass the program. So none of these people, there's no excuse all right, everybody from the president on down has to take this course. And on Capitol Hill, and we know Joe Biden has some documents from when he was a senator, which is really bad because people on Capitol Hill can only see classified documents in a skiff. You have to physically go to a location, no phone, no papers on you, no nothing. Go, you're handed the document, you sign it out like a library book, you look at the document, you can't take pictures, you can't take notes, nothing, and you hand the document back. So how in God's name was Biden walking off with classified documents as a senator? Never mind as vice president. So all of these people obviously knew better. Um, They've been trained and they did it anyway, or they, and, or, and, or they had people packing up this stuff unbeknownst to them, shipping it off. We don't have any answers for this. And yes, there should be one standard applied to everyone in government at this level. But here's another reason it matters. Our government does have a problem with overclassification. If I took a piece of paper as assistant secretary of the treasury and wrote the word and on it, the government could come in and classify that piece of paper. Now, I'm, I'm over-dramatizing this to make the point. It's not quite that extreme, but almost. Almost, in fact, WikiLeaks in 2010 published over a quarter of a million diplomatic cables. Thousands of them were marked secret. You know what some of these secret documents were? One of them was a fairly anodyne breakdown of Iraqi political figures that reads like a Wikipedia page, okay? Another was a recap of uh, a Reuters wire story, so a public story, and a government statement on the death of a Hamas militant, all public accessed um, information. Another one was simple short biographies on senior Another one was simple short biographies on senior Bangladeshi military officers, right? So the point is that a lot of these documents marked secret would bore everybody to death and are certainly not national security secrets. The reason that they overclassify stuff is to reduce transparency in government and not hide our national security secrets, okay? But I raise this point not to excuse anybody, but There is the importance of the nature of these documents. So what Mike Pence has is like probably like Wikipedia stuff on somebody that he was going to meet, some head of state or whatever, or a piece of paper that he wrote and on versus Joe Biden, who had no declassification authority, should not have any of these documents in his possession um, and would just left him out willy nilly. His documents involve China, Russia, Iran, Ukraine, and the UK, and probably many more. So it does matter what the nature of these documents are. It also matters who had access to them. Hunter Biden, drug-addled, out-of-control son of Joe, had access to this house he was living there. Remember paying Joe rent 50 grand a month? At the same time, he was working very closely with a Chinese businessman who had deep, deep ties to the CCP and the PLA, the Chinese Communist Party and the People's Liberation Army, okay? 
at the same time, Peter Schweitzer was saying that he was flying high on alcohol and drugs and possibly blacked out at this residence while he had the Chinese businessman around. Do we know if the Chinese had access to these documents? Not yet, but we should. There's a special counsel on this case, and we absolutely need to know who had access. You can dust these documents for fingerprints. Who was handling these documents? Miranda Devine uh, wrote a great piece in the New York Post a couple of days ago. I recommend it to everybody, where she breaks all of this down. She wrote Laptop from Hell. She knows Hunter's laptop inside and out. There is one email that Hunter Biden wrote to his business partner in April of 2014, one week before Joe, as vice president, went to Ukraine to visit with the then Ukrainian president. So one week before, he's sending his business partner, Devin Archer, an email. This email was very extensive and very sophisticated, 22 points about internal Ukrainian politics and the upcoming Ukrainian election. Guys, Hunter can't string two words together. This email is far beyond Hunter Biden's intellectual capabilities, okay? He did not just pull this from thin air. This looks like he lifted it straight from a classified briefing or classified document. And I'm sure there are many more examples of this. Usually, you've seen Hunter Biden's uh, texts and emails. It's usually like, yo, 10% for the big guy, H, right? This was a very sophisticated email about the intricacies of geopolitics. Hunter Biden did not just write this. He did not just pull it out of thin air, right? So clearly... He had access to these documents. And if these investigations are clean and on the up and up, and it shows that Hunter Biden, who had no security clearance, had access to these documents and was leveraging them for the Biden family business, making money hand over fist, tens of millions of dollars from some of our worst adversaries, China, Russia, the corruption in Ukraine, God knows where else, Iran, If that can be shown and proven, then it's lights out for Joe. This is where we are in all of this right now, okay? So I just want you to keep in mind, the deep state is moving fast. Joe Biden is being taken out by his own side. The shadowy figures in the deep state, the national security state, they want to bounce him, and they're going to do it however they can. They wanted Donald Trump to bear the brunt of the initial shock of a classified document scandal, but now they are wholly focused on Joe Biden. So don't let the Pence stuff distract you or dilute it in your mind. What Joe Biden did is so much worse than anything Donald Trump or Mike Pence did by leaps and bounds. All right, when we come back, we're going to talk to the phenomenal economist, Art Laffer, about where we are in the Biden economy and where we're going. Okay, so this is not to be missed, plus your emails as well. We're going back to emails. So sit tight for that. But first, I want to take a moment to welcome back our terrific sponsor, Nutrafol. Ladies, we all want to look and feel our best, and our hair is such an important part of that, right? Our hair is our crowning glory. But did you know that 30 million women are impacted by weakened or thinning hair? If you're among them, please know that you are not alone. And there is a solution that you can trust to deliver results. Nutrafol is the number one dermatologist recommended hair growth supplement, clinically shown to improve your hair growth thickness, and visible scalp coverage. Nutrafol is a simple addition to your daily routine. Just four pills a day, and you'll begin to experience thicker, stronger, and faster growing hair in just three to six months. As Nutrafol's powerful ingredients bring your body back into balance, you may also notice improvements to your overall well-being, including more restful sleep, less stress, and better skin and nails. And when you subscribe, you'll receive automatic monthly deliveries so you never miss a dose. You can grow thicker, healthier hair and support our show by going to Nutrafol.com and entering the promo code MONICA 
to save $15 off your first month subscription. This is their best offer anywhere, and it's only available to U.S. customers for a limited time, plus free shipping on every order. Get $15 off at Nutrafol.com, spelled N-U-T-R-A-F-O-L, Nutrafol.com, promo code MONICA. We'll be right back. Well, it is such an honor and a pleasure to have with us today one of the most brilliant, if not the most brilliant, American economist on the scene. He was an advisor to Presidents Nixon, Reagan, and Trump. How many people can say that? Not many. And he is the recipient of the Presidential Medal of Freedom, which I remember very well President Trump bestowing on him, and deservedly so. He is the author of many important books, including his most recent one called Taxes Have Consequences. And if anybody can make taxes and the analysis of tax policy sexy, it is my great friend and my guest, Arthur Laffer, who joins us now. Art, welcome. Thank you very much, Monica. Gosh, what a lovely introduction. I just wish my mom and dad were alive and could have heard it. Uh, uh, My my dad would have been very, very pleased and my mom would have actually believed you. (laughs) Well, thank you. It's great. Just for the record, though, I've advised as many Democrats as I have Republicans. Jerry Brown's flat tax of 1992 was mine. I was his economist when he ran for president in the primary against Bill Clinton. Uh, You know, I've been with Democrats. Gary Hart, I worked with Gary Hart very much uh, right after the Reagan period there. So I've tried to keep it bipartisan. I just love tax cutters and pro-growthers. That's what I love. Well, anytime a Democrat or a Republican will listen to your sage advice, uh, Art, that is always a good thing. And, you know, I think back to JFK, who was a tax cutter. I think the top marginal rate, right? The top marginal rate uh, in the Kennedy administration was like 90%. And he cut it down to what? 70. 70. He brought it down to 70 percent. I mean, from 91 to 70 percent, massive changes. Uh, He did all sorts of other tax cuts as well, uh, you know, and and, uh, it just was amazing. Absolutely amazing. But that was a different time in a different Democratic Party. Now we've got a party run by communists, literally Marxists, that are not interested at all in common sense tax reform. And watch, 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 watch very carefully the governor of Colorado, if you wouldn't mind. Uh, Jared Polis, who's the governor of Colorado, just was reelected with a huge majority. Uh, I went to his inauguration, stayed in the mansion there. He was my intern when he was 13 years old. Uh, I'm on the board of all of his family companies, et cetera. This man has cut property taxes dramatically. He's trying to cut the income tax. His dream is to get rid of the uh, income tax entirely in Colorado. Uh, He's for medical transparency. He is the old style Kennedy Democrat coming to life today. So he's a Democrat and he's just spectacular. So there are signs of hope even in the Democratic Party. Well, that is certainly encouraging, Art, and thank you for sharing that. Yeah, and on a number of other issues, he's more moderate as well. So Governor Polis. Well, he didn't do the lockdowns. Everything he's done, he was as good on all of these policies as DeSantis and uh, or as as Abbott. I mean, he's just phenomenal. And uh, he's a Democrat. Yes. And, uh, you know, social issues are not my gig. I'm really not into social issues, but I really am into economics. And he's as good as any governor on economics. He's just spectacular. He really is. I mean, he's a bright light in the Democratic Party, which is overall run by Marxists. So, you know, we'll take the hope wherever we can get it. We'll change that. Yeah, well, I hope so. (laughs) I hope so. You're going to lead the charge, uh, Art. So I do want to talk to you about where we are in the Biden economy and where you think we're going. But before we get to that, you are well known for the curve named after you, the Laffer Curve. Please tell everybody what it is and how it came to be. Yeah, I will describe it very clearly and how it came to be. It is my profile, uh, and the big tummy coming around, that is how it came to be. No, just joking. Uh, the <laughs> was a very simple, straightforward concept, and it, it's just had been not been used in politics or economics for a long time on a macro level. It's very, very popular. It's widely used on the microeconomics, but not in macro that, you know, if you tax people at 100% of everything they earn so that every time they go to the office, uh, instead of getting a check, they have to pay. Uh, there will be no one working, there'll be no output, there will be no tax revenues. Likewise, if you tax people at 0%, even though there's a lot of output, a lot of people working and all that, 
because there's a zero tax, there'll be no tax revenues either. When you lower tax rates from 100% and bring them on down, you'll all of a sudden bring people back into the labor force and revenues will start increasing. As you raise tax rates from 0% to 1% to 2 to 3 again, revenues will start rising. And if you do this map out, Monica, it comes out to a big curve, uh, which is they, they've named the Laffer curve. I, I didn't invent it. Uh, I didn't originate it. It's been around for a thousand years. It just hadn't been used for a long, long time. And I brought it back into public use. Uh, it reflects all sorts of things. It reflects output, employment, production, all of those real things. But it also reflects the incentive to shelter income, to avoid paying taxes, uh, uh, evasion, avoidance, underground economy, all of this stuff it reflects in there, which is a very, very good description of what really happens when you look at tax codes in the U.S. Because we look at tax income reported on your income tax return. And every time we've raised the highest tax rates, and this is in the book you mentioned, Taxes Have Consequences, which I wrote with Brian Dimitrovic and Gene Sinkfield. Uh, they're my co-authors on that. Every time you've raised tax rates on the rich, uh, what you find is that the economy has suffered, the poor have suffered incredibly, the lowest income echelons, and tax revenues from the rich have also gone down. Mm -hmm. When you raise tax rates, these people earn less, and what they do earn, they shelter like mad, and so you get less revenues, the economy is really damaged. Every time we've lowered tax rates, this is in over 100 years examples, with all the tax returns, we have every single tax return, uh, every time they've lowered tax rates, Monica, the rich have earned more, they've sheltered their income less, they created more jobs, the beneficiaries have been the poor, the lower echelons, the minorities, the disenfranchised, and the economy has boomed and tax revenues have increased. So, you know, it's very clear. It's the exact opposite of the rhetoric you hear from 90% of the Republicans and 100% of the Democrats. So you're uh, saying throughout the recent history, if you go back to the Kennedy administration, which we just talked about, we have actual empirical evidence that every single time you cut taxes, you get economic growth and you get more money coming into the Treasury. Kennedy tax, tax cuts, Reagan tax cuts, Bush tax cuts, and Trump tax cuts, correct? That's true, yes. It's tax rates now. Make sure... We're talking about tax rates on the rich, the highest income earners, those people who make the decisions. And it's not only back to Kennedy. You're very right. It's Kennedy. It's Reagan. It's Trump. Trump tax cuts have paid for themselves within two years. We were running revenues much higher than they had been prior to Trump's tax cuts as a result of Trump's tax cuts. And not only were they higher, there were the, the growth of tax revenues increased uh, because businesses sheltered less, they produced more, we had a better economy. But it also goes back right to the beginning of the tax codes, Monica. 1913, when we put in the income tax rate, the highest rate back then was 7%. Uh, we had a, a very small, I think there were 358,000 people required to file taxes. That's out of 64 million people who are adults. Uh, so even that period, when you raise them from 1913 to 1918, it went from 7% to 77%. The economy collapsed and revenues went down and it was very bad for the poor, the minorities. Then we had World War One. Then we cut tax rates again after that. We got Harding and Coolidge in there. Uh, you got the rates dropped from 77% down to 73 for three years, then down to 25 Revenues poured in. It was the roaring 20s. This pattern has been in existence for well over 100 years. And let me just say, Monica, we have every single tax return. This isn't a hypothesis. This isn't sampling data. We have every tax return. We know every person's name in the top 1% of income tax return filers. And we have the revenues associated with those tax returns. And we have the reported income. So this is not a guess. This is not my opinion. These are the facts. And, you know, people are not allowed to have their own opinions when the facts contradict them. Yes. It's not about how you feel. And that's what's really happened on the tax codes. And all of these people like Jared Bernstein and all these other people, Demo and Republicans, by the way, uh, just for the record, uh, whenever we raise tax rates from the rich, it's not led to more income and income equality. What it's led to is absolute impoverishment of the lower echelons of the economic ladder. And it's led to less revenues from the rich. Well, and obviously what follows is big policy consequences. And this is what you write about in your new book, Taxes Have Consequences. You cut taxes and then keep them low. And the result is economic growth and more money coming into the treasury. This is basic 
economic common sense art, and yet so few in our government, including a lot of Republicans, follow this model, even when they have the chance and they're they're in control of the government. We know that this works. Why is there so much political resistance to this economic model that delivers a thriving economy? You need to get a psychiatrist on your podcast, Monica. (laughs) I can't figure that stuff out. It seems to me so clear cut and so simple and so straightforward. Uh, We all understand that if you tax something, you get less of it. If you subsidize something, you get more of it. Why on earth we would tax people who work and pay people who don't work? If you tax people who work and you pay people who don't work, don't be surprised if you find a lot of people not working. And that's exactly what the data show is. That's exactly what happened. I don't understand it, but it's not just being Republicans and Democrats. By the way, Kennedy cut the highest tax rates from 91% to 70%. He cut the lowest rate from 20% to 14%. He put in the investment tax credit. He put in all of these other pro-growth. He cut government spending as a share of GDP. The economy shot up. It was called the go-go 60s. It shot up. He went from a deficit to a big surplus, all because of his tax policies. Same thing with Bill Clinton. Bill Clinton did a great job. He cut government spending dramatically. He cut the highest tax rates. He cut the capital gains tax. Do you know that Bill Clinton exempted half of the capital stock of the United States from capital gains taxation. Mm. He did that. Mm. He exempted owner-occupied homes from capital gains taxes. And we had a booming economy under Clinton, not because he raised the highest rates a little bit, which he did, uh, but he did it because he cut so many rates. He cut government spending, and we had a great economy. So it's not Republican-Democrat. It's not liberal or conservative. It's not left-wing. It's not right-wing. It's pro-growth versus anti-growth economics. Simple, straightforward And it's the facts, ma'am, just the facts. So, you know, when I think about the left, obviously they would want to block this economic model because like we said, they're essentially Marxist and they're they're looking to re-engineer the entire U.S. economy. So they have no interest in real economic growth, cutting taxes and and generating this kind of revenue coming into the treasury, even though their own programs cost so much and they need that money. So we know what the left is all about, but the fact that there are so many Republicans who are still reticent about going down this road is is just incredible. So your book, Taxes Have Consequences, can you, Art, walk us through some of the negative knock-on effects of confiscatory tax rates? Well, what you find is here, now we did it with a history of the income tax. We use that as our sort of base. That's our anchor tenant, if you will. Uh, There are lots of other taxes. We talk about the Smoot-Hawley tariff as well. We talk about the Trump tax cuts, which were basically on corporate uh, income. And what you find here is we find confiscatory periods like the Great Depression, uh, like World War II, where you had very high taxes, and yet the poor, the minorities, the disenfranchised suffered enormously. Real wages and consumable items back then, Monica, were, uh, were lower than they had been a century earlier. People were really scrambling to live during these periods. You know, we have all of the uh, documentation, we have all the political battles that went through, all the conversions that occurred ultimately, and a lot of conversions did occur. Morgenthau, uh, the Treasury Secretary under Franklin Delano Roosevelt, uh, converted. Uh, He said, how can we have all this spending and all this stuff done, and we still have the high unemployment, we're still in the midst of the Great Depression, and now with a lot more debt. So all of these things, what it does is just goes through each of these periods in great detail and documents what the shelters were, how people actually got around their taxes, all legally, by the way, like Warren, but like all of the ProPublica stuff that's been released now, Monica, all of it just shows how these people do it legally. They get around the taxes and the political incentives for politicians to provide these loopholes to their biggest donors, to the group there, that the group they wish they were. Uh, and that's exactly how it all happens. And, you know, what I hope it does is it leads us to a rational, low rate, broad based, flat tax, spending restraints, sound money, minimal regulations, free trade and get the hell out of the way and let the economy solve itself. Policies going forward. Amen. Amen. I mean, if only we could just hand over the entire U.S. economy yeah, to can, you. Can I, can I correct you on a little bitty difference there on ideological? Please. Stuff? You talk about Marxists. Uh, these people today aren't Marxists. They're socialists. Uh, they believe that you can take from one group and give to another group, and it doesn't have any consequences. Marxists, by the way, never believed in the Keynesian economics. They never believed in redistribution. They believed in the state ownership of the means of production. Now, my 
One professor at Stanford in my PhD program was a man called Paul Baran, who I did very well in his class. He was a Marxist, but he believed very much in incentives a la this book. He really did. The Keynesians believe in, in redistribution. Let me, if, if, if I can have one second with you, sure, Monica, to, sure, to please. describe the theorem of redistribution, because it's the key to these people and why they fail. Redistribution occurs when you take from one group and give to another group. Most generally, we say we take from the rich and give to the less rich, okay? That's the model of redistribution. Now, when you take from those who have a little bit more, you reduce their incentives to produce and they will produce a little bit less. Clear? Yes. If you give to people who have a little bit less, they will now have an alternative source of income other than working, and they too will produce a little bit less. Mm -hmm. The theorem here, and I want to stress it's a theorem, it's math. It's not left-wing, right-wing, Republican, Democrat, liberal, or conservative. It's math, Monica. Whenever you redistribute income, you will always reduce total income, period. That's the theorem. I don't care who you are, tall, short, young, fat, old. It doesn't matter. You'll reduce total income. Now, the lemma from this theorem is delicious. The more you redistribute income, the greater will be the reduction in total income. Again, period. That's math. And let me just describe to you the limit function of this theorem, which is exactly what you talk about all the time and you understand it intuitively completely. But let me just describe the limit function. If you were able to redistribute all income so that everyone came out exactly the same, so that everyone comes out the exact same, there will be no income whatsoever. Mm -hmm. Let me describe it to you how that works mathematically only with words. In order to get everyone to come out the same, what you have to do is you have to tax everyone above the average income 100% of the excess. And you have to subsidize everyone below the average income up to the average income. Only in this way can you assure that everyone will come out exactly the same. Now, if you actually did that, if you actually taxed everyone who earned above the average income 100% of the excess, and if you actually subsidize everyone below the average income up to the average income 100%, I will stipulate today, Counselor, We will all end up exactly the same at zero income. I just wish you'd get uh, uh, Elizabeth Warren on this show or Bernie Sanders or let me debate them because what they are professing, what they are uh, advocating is absolute nonsense. It's anti-economics and it will lead to the U.S. becoming Ethiopia. It will lead to the U.S. following the Japanification. It's uh, and, and everyone who understands economics knows exactly what I'm talking about. You can't tax people who work and pay people who don't work and expect more work. You just can't. And the theorem here is math. It's just plain math. It's not whether you're liberal or conservative, Marxist or socialist or free market. It's none of that. It's just math. You know, that's a really important point, and I say it all the time, Art, which is that the the laws of economics are hard and fast. There's no getting around it, right? So uh, you're absolutely right about that. I would say that people like Bernie Sanders and Elizabeth Warren and the others who are on the far left of the Democratic Party um, and in many ways lead the party, that's the point, like the, yeah, their their and objective the, is to destroy the U.S. economy so they can rebuild it in this socialist model. Yeah, and, and they're trying to do a socialist model, but they don't have an end game. They really don't have an end game. Their game is very near term, very short term of trying to uh, to trying to uh, uh, really uh, dupe uh, the the lower classes, the the poor, the minorities, the disenfranchised into believing that they will be able to redistribute income from let's say Warren Buffett or George Soros or whoever it may be to them and make them better off and these other groups worse off and that there's a static model where people don't respond to incentives. That's just not true. And they know it's not true. And what they're espousing is something that will kill our country and kill our economy. And we are in the throes of the battle right now. Biden is, you know, Biden is Moriarty. And we don't know who uh, Sherlock Holmes is going to be, but there will come a hero out of this. Uh, and that hero could be anyone. Uh, that hero will reverse these policies and we will come back to a very strong economic growth, my view of the world. Yeah. I mean, that this is one of the many beauties of the Trump administration, which is Donald he, he Trump turned around. On economics. Yeah. Just a great job on economics. I mean, Operation Warp Speed. 
uh, what he did there. And what he did on the tax bill was spectacular. On transparency, medical transparency, I could go on and on. Trump was great on economics. And that's all I look at is economics. And, uh, you know, he really was. And, you know, when you think about it, Art, the man who had never done any of this before, he was a businessman, but had never been in politics before. He turned around the U.S. economy not once, but twice. First, when he came in with the tax cuts and, and reform bill of 2017, which I know you advised yep. on and worked on. Phenomenal. And we executed it out of the Treasury Department. And then the second time after the pandemic hit and reopening the U.S. economy, he did it twice. And he's telling us he can do it a third time. And I got to say, if anybody can bring back the U.S. economy three times, it's Donald Trump. Yeah. You and I should also share one with a person we both admired personally very, very much, Richard Nixon, who, who was the opposite side on the on the economics. And, uh, you know, I didn't like his economics, but I really liked him very much was Richard Nixon. Your books on Nixon are just amazing, by the way. Just I stand in awe of, of the job that you did on, on, on Nixon. It was just great. I mean, oh, just thank you. Wonderful, loving uh, biography of the man and his impact on the world. I, I, I liked him very, very much. I didn't like his economics, wage and price controls, higher taxes. I didn't like any of that. And, you know, but my, my I was my boss's employee, not, you know, what can I tell you? Like <laughs> no, thank you so much, Art, for those kind words, too. I really appreciate it. It means the world to me. And I adored him and respected him in so many ways. And I miss him thank every you, day. Man. And I think the country misses him every day, too. Um, before we let you go, Art, can you give us a sense of where we are in the Biden economy now? A lot of economic observers are predicting another recession this year. Can you talk to us about how likely that is and how deep and protracted you expect it to be? Let me let me put it in a different context, if I may, Monica, and sort of frame it to where I think I can answer. We have been declining as a society and as an economy for the last 25 years, uh, you know, starting with Obama and Bush. I mean, they were terrible presidents, and we have been declining. If you look at participation rates, they have dropped dramatically from the end of Clinton down to where they are now, some six percentage points lower now. Uh, do you look at real GDP for adult? We've been declining as well. There was that interlude, as you mentioned so clearly, that Donald Trump stopped that decline and popped it back up a little bit, but now it's way back down on the decline. Uh, if you look at the debt level of the U.S. compared to GDP or any of these measures, it's not just the U.S. that's in decline. It's Japan. It's Europe. It's it, it's honestly, it's China. It's Russia. It's all of these countries, even Chile. The, the Wirtschafts wonder of South America is now crashing. All of this decline is because of bad economics, and it's a secular problem, not a cyclical problem, not a recession a recovery or any of that. Uh, that is where we are, and I don't see anything out there at present that gives me any hope, with the exception of the battleground of the states. We have found that in the states, the red states under, under let's say, uh, Ron DeSantis and, and Abbott and uh, Bill Lee here in, in Tennessee and some of the other states, have been red states moving very close, and Jared Polis in Colorado, a Democrat, uh, versus the Michigans, the Connecticut's, the New Jersey's, the New York's, the California's, the Illinois's. These two have battled, have split themselves apart with two economic models. The red state model, I'm going to call it, and the blue state model, although it's not strictly red and blue as Republican and Democrat. That's the battleground where the new ideas are going to come out, and they have to be secular ideas. They have to be ideas that really transform the U.S. economy in a fundamental way to bring us back, much the way Reagan did, much the way Trump tried to do, and much the way Trump did do in the short period he was in there. If he had a good second term, he'd have really transformed the U.S. economy himself. But that's the battleground going on. I don't see any hope in the near term. And, you know, what you've got is the elections coming in 2024. I hope that a pro-growth group emerges in the Republican Party, not just all these people wanting to do investigations and, you know, just all the hate stuff that goes on with Republicans and Democrats. But I hope it gets to be offering alternatives to growth, low rate, broad based flat tax, spending restraints, sound money, minimal regulations and free trade. And that is the agenda. And once that happens, then we have hope for prosperity. But it will not start, Monica. It can't start until 2026, just given the structure of politics in the U.S. Remember, the Reagan boom did not really begin until January 1st, 1983, when his tax cuts took effect. All of his other policies took effect. 
The same thing is true with Kennedy. Kennedy's real success didn't start until two years after he'd been elected. Then the Kennedy go-go 60s took off. So we have a long time to wait. If we can do this transformation, America will lead the U.S., lead the world into prosperity for two decades again. And you're optimistic. You're optimistic that we will get a Republican president oh, I next do, time. And I think the battleground's the states. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. No, I agree. And I love that you're also a natural optimist and a happy warrior as I am. Art, you are absolutely fantastic, my dear friend. Thank you so much for joining us. Thank you. You are the best. And thank you for being here and sharing your wisdom. Anytime you want me on the podcast, I'd be glad. Oh, you are phenomenal. We absolutely love you. Thank you so much. We have been talking to the brilliant American economist, Arthur Laffer. He was an advisor to three presidents, maybe more than that, Presidents Nixon, Reagan, and Trump. And he said Democrats as well. He's also received the Presidential Medal of Freedom from President Trump. And his latest book, Go Get It, Wherever books are sold, it's called Taxes Have Consequences. You need to understand that the underpinnings of economic policy because it directly affects your life. Art, thanks so much, my friend. Thank you, Monica. You bet. Talk to you later. Okay, guys, when we come back, your emails. But first, you all know how much I love GenuCell skincare. Well, I'm so excited to tell you about their latest skincare innovation, their microbiome moisturizer with the power of probiotics to target skin redness, pesky wrinkles and fine lines, patchy blotches, and other visible signs of premature aging. And guess what? Now, every GenuCell most popular package includes the new probiotic moisturizer as your gift with every order. GenuCell's most popular package is 70% off and includes products you'll need for all your skincare needs, including those under-eye bags and puffiness. So treat yourself to the best skincare in the world for a look you'll love. Go to GenuCell.com slash Monica and get your probiotic moisturizer today. I have it and I love it. Enter Monica at checkout for an extra 10% off your entire purchase. That's GenuCell, G-E-N-U-C-E-L, GenuCell.com slash Monica. Again, GenuCell.com slash Monica. We're coming right back. Okay, guys. Well, the email segment is back. So keep those emails coming to me, Monica Crowley podcast at gmail.com. Again, I see them all. I read them all and I love hearing from you. Let me know what's on your mind. All right. Steve writes about crypto creepiness. Hi, Monica. Loved your recent podcast on the FTX fraud. I find it interesting that Sam Bankman-Fried was living in a penthouse in Nassau, Bahamas. That was the capital of the Republic of Piracy during the golden age of piracy in the early 1700s. Now it's the hangout of the biggest fraudster in American history. Monica, this whole cryptocurrency industry is pretty much a pyramid scheme. The whole system is based on recruiting new investors and having the new investors recruit more investors. The fees from the new investors flow up the food chain, and the businesses run on recruiting new victims instead of making profits on real investments. Have you ever been recruited to invest in crypto? I don't know how many times I've received a sales pitch to invest. My neighbor even tried to get me into crypto. It's a pyramid scheme. Thanks, Monica. I love you. (laughs) All right. Well, thank you so much, Steve. I love that you love this podcast so much. Really great to have you on board and appreciate your support. Now, regarding crypto, I am not into crypto. Warren Buffett's famous line applies here to me. Invest in what you understand. I do understand crypto to some extent, but I don't get what it contributes economically, financially, socially, etc. So I steer clear of crypto. I don't know if it's all a pyramid scheme, but there are aspects to it that are, shall we say, opaque. Opaque. So if you're in crypto or thinking about it, my advice is to do your due diligence and really vet it. I'd hate to see you get crushed. 
And certainly do not give your hard-earned money to guys and gals in a polyamorous frat house in the Bahamas, even if they do try to convince you that they are crypto prodigies. The girl with the huge glasses and the orange skirt and the moon face and the guy with the wild hair who says, I don't own anything, everything I have can fit into a shoebox. That was Mahatma Gandhi, not a crypto billionaire. So just keep your eyes open here, okay? Because all of this, it usually means that they're going to take your money and plow it into left-wing causes if they look and act like that. There are a lot of emboldened criminals out there who know exactly what to do and how to do it, from how to manipulate your body, mind, and spirit, okay? So please be on guard. I care about you guys. Be on guard. Use your heads, do your due diligence, whether it's on crypto or anything else. And if you are a person of faith, pray. Get right with God. God provides the armor and the spiritual fortitude to fight this constant assault we're all under. Plus, God says, just say no to crypto fraud, okay? (laughs) All right, guys, that is going to do it for me today. Thank you so much for being here and for checking out our terrific sponsors We all really appreciate that. Enjoy the rest of your week, and I will see you right back here on Friday with our special guest, the great actor, Kevin Sorbo. See you then. Without the ones like you who work tirelessly to keep things running, everything would suddenly stop. Hospitals, factories, schools, and power plants, they all depend on you. No matter the weather, emergency, or time of day, you're the ones who get it done. At Granger, we're here for you with professional-grade industrial supplies. Count on real-time product availability and fast delivery. Call, clickgranger.com or just stop by. Granger for the ones who get it done.